trying to see if Facebook is going to come up. Uh, and if so, y'all go ahead and do what you normally do. Start tagging and saying hello and letting me know you're in the group. I see we've got a couple people on Instagram already. So Instagram is up and working. Uh, let me check and see if Facebook is going. I don't know that it is. It looks like it is. I've got three or four people on there already. So uh, let me reload my computer. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Hope everybody is having a blessed morning so far, wherever you are. Those of you that are on uh, Instagram, uh, let us know where you, where you are from, where you're watching from today. Those of you that are on Facebook, I can see you now. Uh, go ahead. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I can't see everybody who's uh, tagging, but I can see the numbers going up, so I know that you are there. God bless all of you. Yes, we are having e-church again. <laughs> I know there are some places all around the country that are uh, having service this morning, and we, we pray for them. Uh, we made the decision to continue with our e-service, and we are glad that you are here this morning joining us. Pastor Sean is going to be teaching this morning. For those of you that are watching on Facebook, you can already see she's going to be talking about choosing to obey, choosing to obey. And I thought it was so great that when Chris was ministering this morning, one of the things he started saying was, hey, Lord, we choose to obey. So even when we're not together, we are together in the spirit. So I think that's awesome. Uh, those of you that are on uh, Instagram, uh, somebody can type that in the notes if you want. That is the title of today's message, choosing to obey. Pastor Sean's going to be with us in just a few moments, but I'm going to do a couple of announcements uh, while you are coming in the room and while you are getting ready to tag and share and give all the hearts and everything you can to give God all the praise for us being here this morning. Just a quick reminder, uh, we are here every Sunday uh, morning at 10 a.m. Uh, on our Facebook page, on our YouTube channel. Uh, we're actually on Periscope, and we are on Instagram and on Twitch. So whatever your social media platform is that you like to use, you can um, see us there. And so we encourage you to uh, share this video, to tag your friends and family. Uh, today's going to be a powerful message. Obedience is powerful. Why? Because on the other side of obedience is provision. Anything you need when God gives you a direction and you obey it, uh, your provision for your vision is always there. Remember on Tuesdays, we have prayer that starts at 8 p.m. Uh, on Wednesdays, we have Bible study that starts at 8.30 p.m. And then every Sunday morning at 9.30, we kick off our worship uh, and our worship hour with Pastor Chris uh, via her Facebook page, Kristen Valley Worship. So if you haven't went to her page and liked that yet, you should do that. Uh, turn the notifications on so that it comes up right at 930. And while you're getting ready for the word, you can just bathe in worship. It's such an awesome uh, opportunity for us to be able to do that. And we praise God for her doing that. We thank God for Pastor Ralph teaching on Wednesday night. And I thank God for Pastor Sean teaching today. I get to just be a hearer today. I get to just listen to the word of God. And so uh, she's going to come in here in just a moment uh, while she's doing that. Just as a reminder, uh, for those of you who may disagree with something that is said or done, that's fine. We respect that right. 
But just remember that we do have administrators in our page, and if you start to get rude or say nasty things or do things that are inappropriate, we will kick you right on up out of this group. So uh, <laughs> govern yourselves accordingly. Uh, and we look forward to all the wonderful testimonies and miracles that are going to be coming as a result of this word. She just walked in the room. She looks stunning. She looks amazing. She's beautiful. Her makeup is beat. Her hair is on fleek. She is oh ready God. to come and preach the word of God. So y'all give it up to none other than my beautiful wife, the mother of all of my children, the amazing, <laughs> the dynamic, the invigorating Pastor Sean Strickland. I'm so impressed. <laughs> oh my goodness. Thank you. <laughs> Good morning, guys. How you guys doing? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So we have all our audiences here this morning. Let me just open up my computer. Oh, man, I'm super excited. You guys know me. You know that I love the word. You know how much. I mean, I love Jesus. I love the word. I want to do what's pleasing to him. And so I thought I just thought it was so beautiful because Kristen and I, you know, we've been doing ministry together for We've been doing ministry together for a lot of years, and it's so beautiful to me how many times um, that I will be thinking about something. God has put something in my heart, and then in praise and worship, Chris will begin to sing about it. And the Lord has really been dealing with me about this subject of choosing to obey. And if you watched last week, you know, you'll understand a little bit about what, about that. And so it was just a blessing to hear her begin to say, you know, you, we love to obey. What a tremendous blessing that was. And, and, it, and I think it just speaks to the power of covenant relationships that like even though we're not in the same place because we're a part of the same ecclesia, of the same tribe, then Holy Spirit, who is everywhere, is speaking to us about the same thing. And so, Chris, I just want to shout you out. I'm so thankful to have you. Um, you know, as a part of our family, our Camp Strict family, and as your leadership at, over our work, praise, and worship team, your heart for the things of God, and um, your heart to really see the people of God flourish in the things of God. And so I just wanted to shout you out this morning. Thank you um, so much for what you do. And then I wanted to shout out my husband this morning, Pastor Edwin Strickland. Man, listen, I don't know if you watched the video last night. How many of you, I mean, saw his video yesterday? Y'all got to give me a second. My computer is also a tablet, and so the screen is turned, and I'm trying to fix it. But I want to just say, you know, I was so blessed. After he finished his video yesterday, I said to him, you know, I am tremendously blessed. I am, I am blessed to be your wife. I was so godly proud of you. Um, when I listened to you talk about how we would move forward, I was godly proud of you, but I was also proud of you as your wife. So I was proud of, I'm proud of him, um, as his wife. I'm proud of him as, um, a member of his church. And I'm proud of him as a co-laborer in the gospel, because I think it takes tremendous courage and it takes tremendous heart of the God of God to say, I don't care what everybody else is doing. What I am committed to do is what I believe is best for the people God has assigned to me. Because the, whether you know it or not, you know, people don't always take, um, you know, 
People act like they're equal with their leadership, but at the end of the day, when we stand before the Lord, we have to give an account for the people that God entrusted to us. And so I'm so thankful um, to have a pastor, a husband, a leader, an apostle, a fellowship of champions who greatly, greatly values hearing the voice of God, greatly, greatly values that. And so I just want y'all to shout him out, man. I thought that, that I was tremendously blessed by that. I was tremendously blessed by um, his, just his, just his heart, his heart, you know. And, you know, we all know that he plays a lot and, and he has a lot of fun, but never, never doubt that his heart is for you because he has the heart of God towards you. And I want to shout out our church. I want to shout out our Fellowship of Champions people. Man, you are the freaking best. Listen, you are a tremendous joy to pastor. We love you guys so much. You know, we thank you that when we say we believe what the Lord is saying, that we don't get pushback, you don't fight us, that you just come on in and say, if this is the direction we're going, um, this is where we're going. You know, I'm so thankful that I do Facebook Live so much, so then when I computer when something like this happens i don't just freak out there we go we got it worked out and so um those are the things i wanted to say this morning i wanted to shout out chris i wanted to shout out pastor ellen i wanted to shout out um our fellowship of champions church that includes our e-partners all of the people who have joined in over the last i don't know what is this week 10 week 11 I want to say, you know, thank you. If you want to be a virtual partner, we would absolutely love to have you. Um, you know, we just, you know, but for us, it's not just membership, it's partnership. You know, anybody ever had a gym membership? And in that gym membership, you might have paid, you paid, but you didn't actually participate, right? And so for us, it's really important because the Paul talks about us being co-laborers in the gospel together, which means that the advancement of a, a ecclesia, which is a lo local church body, the advancement of the total kingdom of God, it should not just be incumbent and burdened upon a couple of people, but that everybody called to it should benefit. And I really want to encourage you, you know, if you don't go to church at Fellowship of Champions and we're not your normal church, you know, God never intended for um, relationships in the church to be parasitic. This is really going to get into my message. And I think that what we built is that unfortunately we built a lot of people who pick churches based on what they get out of it, not where God is called to them. Does that make sense, guys? And so what we want to know is we want to know, you know, how is the praise and worship team, not whether the word actually changes my life. We want to know how dope is this ministry, how dope is that ministry, not whether that's the place that God has called me. And so this really is leading into um, what I want to talk to you about today, which is this concept of choosing and obey. Uh, uh, to obey because obedience is a big deal in the kingdom. Can y'all say that? Can you say obedience is a big deal in the kingdom of God? Obedience is a big deal in the kingdom of God. And listen, you know, the Bible tells us in Hebrews, it says to follow after those who through faith and patience have received the promises. So just to circle a little, a little bit back about following the leadership of fellowship of champions or following the leadership wherever you go to church, I want to tell you this, you should follow righteous leadership, follow people as they follow God. Now, listen, if you get in that mindset, then nobody will be able to dupe you, manipulate you. You don't have to be afraid to 
submit because we are supposed to follow people as they follow God. Well, we only know that they're following God if we're actually hearing God for ourselves, which is why we are always saying to you, what? What did God say? What does the word say? What did God say by his spirit? Because if that is the way you are living, you will not be subject to being manipulated by someone who does not have the heart of God for you. I hope that makes sense. But obedience is a big deal in the kingdom. So I want to tell y'all something. I saw y'all saying I was looking cute. I appreciate that. But I want to tell you something. This shirt and these jeans I could not wear um, when before the lockdown. I couldn't wear them. I couldn't button this shirt all the way. I couldn't button these pants and sit comfortably in them. And this is a point to obedience. This is not just now. I feel real good. Me and Pastel was laughing. Like there's nothing like making progress in your goals. And I feel real good about that. But the point I want to make is that I got here by doing what God told me to do. I chose to obey. Now, let me say this. Pastor Edwin is also losing weight, right? And his plan is different from mine. We have a, God has given us, you know, God led him to do keto. God led me to go to basically a pescatarian diet to re reduce the amount of sugar that I ate, to get rid of sodas, things like that. A very different plan. So sometimes when I'm looking at him and he seems to be dropping weight faster than I am, there can be this tendency to want to get over into what he's doing and say that, well, if it worked for him, I know he hears God, then maybe it'll work for me. But I want you to know that God has a plan for each one of us. So when I get up this morning and say, oh, I'm just going to try this shirt on. What I realize is that I'm able to look at him and see how fast he's progressing. When I'm looking at myself, I can't always see how fast I'm progressing. But then I put on the shirt and then the shirt shows me how much progress I've made. You need to understand that obedience to God has to be the top priority of a believer. And I'm going to tell you why. Because um, Pastor Edwin and I were having this conversation yesterday. Let me go ahead and pray. Welcome, everybody. Let me pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We give you praise with much thanksgiving. We thank you that the Holy Spirit is here. Holy Spirit, come and do what you do. You rip the scales off of our eyes so we are not blinded by the tricks of the enemy. You said that anytime that we could see here and understand that we would be converted and we would be healed. And so we thank you for the conversion and the healing because we can see, hear, and understand. We thank you that our hearts are tender to your instruction and that we obey quickly and swiftly so that we see the manifestation of it in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on and give the Lord some praise for that. So obedience is a really big deal in the kingdom. And so we don't necessarily understand why God has one of us on eating this way and one of us eating another way. And, and, you know, and the thing of it is, is that in the beginning, it was a little inconvenient because we like to eat together. We like to have dinner together, all of these different things, right? But the question is, are we going to do what is convenient or are we going to do what God is calling us to do? 
And I believe that we don't have enough conversations about how important obedience is. And I'm going to start with a scripture. And I want to apologize to the administrative team. I did not get you my notes this morning, but God changed it up on a, a little bit on me at the last minute. And I'm going to try to walk slow enough that you can pull the scriptures up. But let's start with Isaiah 119. I want to encourage you to get somebody to get on here. I um, want tag our partners, get on here because this is going to be so important. You know, our pastor gave us a word. Our man of God gave us a word at the beginning of the year. He actually gave us two words. The first word was that God wanted to bring us into alignment, agreement, and advancement. Alignment, agreement, and advancement. If you can hear me, go ahead and type that in there. Alignment, agreement, and advancement, right? When we begin to think about alignment, think about the fact of driving a car. Any, anybody who's driven a car knows that if your car gets out of alignment, you can still drive the car, but it's going to veer to the left and veer to the right. And in our walk with the Lord, it's easy for us to end up in a place where we start veering to the left and veering to the right. But what we got a word for was that God was going to, <clears throat> excuse me, that God was going to bring us into alignment. That means that he was going to bring us back into the place that he really wants us to be. It's very easy as we walk with God to start making these little adjustments, to start doing these things that aren't necessarily his will for us, to start doing things that are good, that aren't necessarily God. One of the places that we can really get trapped up into this is in the area of our dreams. Tell your neighbor, God has some dreams for you. God has some dreams for you. But I was talking to a couple of people this week, and I think it's very important to notice the heart of God towards us and the heart he expects us to have back to him, which is simply this, that God does not want us to love our dreams more than we love him. And that when we begin to love our dreams more than we love him, we have gotten into the area of idolatry. And the first commandment is about God as the only God, the one true living God, you know, and us not having any idols above him, putting him in the place that he believed, that, that he belonged. Now, I believe that it's very important because we have this tendency as humans, if you read the, you got to go back and listen to the message from last week. I can't rehash that because I really need to move forward in what he gave me today is that what we end up with because God is so good and when we hear Jeremiah 29, you know, I know the thoughts I think towards you said the Lord to prosper you and not to harm and you and give you an expected end. When we read John 10 and 10, he came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. When we read 3 John 2, beloved all, I wish that you would prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers, we can become very me focused. So God wants me to live this dream. God wants me to be a CEO. God wants me to have this house. God wants me to have this ministry. God wants me to stand on this stage. God wants me to have this opportunity. Yes, God wants you to have everything that he has set forth for you. But do you know what God wants us to have more? A heart to obey. Somebody say a heart to obey. I don't think that that's a discussion that we have enough. <clears throat> And as a result, we end up with a lot of well-meaning believers who do not understand the concept of obedience. 
people who actually, Pastor Edwin and I talk about this, people who actually get offended with God when things don't go their way. People who actually feel like that it is God's responsibility to operate as their personal genie and give them whatever they want. And then when they don't get what they want, they begin to throw these very childlike temper tantrums. God, this is what I did for you. God, I gave. God, I fasted. God, I walked away from this. God, I walked away from that. But my question to you is, but did you deal with the cross? Did, did you shed your blood? Did you take 39 stripes? Were you pierced in the side? Was, your, was the crown of thorns put on your head? Did you go to hell and take the keys back? And I think that what can happen is, is that when we don't understand how important obedience is to God, we begin to treat God like he is there for our pleasure instead of we are there for his. There's a scripture that says, know ye not that we didn't make the Lord, but he has made us. It's in Psalms. But let's look at Isaiah 1 and 19 because Pastor Elwin gave us this word. He says, alignment, agreement, and advancement. The only way to come into agreement with God is to come in obedience with God. It is very important that you understand that no matter how much God loves you, he will not violate his commandments because it is uncomfortable for you to obey. He will not modify his word. He will not change his position. He will not move because you don't want to. Tell your neighbor he's not moving because you don't want to. So, for example, he says, hey, if you bring the tithes into the storehouse, I will open up the windows of heaven. He doesn't change that because you feel some kind of way about the tithe. He is not obligated to do what we want him to do, but we owe him to do what he wants us to do. Why? Because number one, we didn't create, our, create ourselves to begin with. And number two, we could not redeem ourselves from sin. Now, let's look at Isaiah 119, which is literally a scripture that we have raised our kids on. Somebody say amen. Send some heart something. Say amen. Let me take a drink of water. We raised our kids on this scripture very early on from the time that they were little because it's the scripture that God gave us for our own lives. Isaiah 119 and 120. It says, if you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Guys, you need to look at that scripture. He says, if you are willing and obedient. So that's a conjunction. The word and is a conjunction. It ties two things together. God is not looking for people who are just willing, but they don't actually obey. He is not looking for people who obey, but they have a bad attitude. He says, if you are willing and obedient, the promise that I give you is that you will eat the good of the land. If I am willing and obedient, I will eat the good of the land. Verse 20 says, but if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured with the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. So basically, he's giving you an opportunity to choose. Say, I have the power to choose. He says, listen, I want you to eat the good of the land. He says, but if you want to eat the good of the land, here are the requirements. You must be willing and obedient. He says, now, you don't have to be willing and obedient, but if you choose to go your own way, you will be devoured by the sword. 
Now, sometimes what we like to do is throw away these things that God has said in the Old Testament, or we like to throw away the things that require us to comply, and we don't like to, we want to keep all of the good stuff, right? Now, I want you to go to John 14 and 15 for somebody who says, oh, but that's an Old Testament instruction. Now, John 14, this is Jesus speaking. John 14. Somebody ought to begin to just make the confession. I choose to obey God. I love to obey God because you've got to bring your heart into agreement. I told you last week that when the enemy tries to bring you into sin, he basically has four things that he's trying to do. He is trying to, one, get you to question your own identity. Number two, he's trying to get you to question the love of God. Number three, he's trying to get you to question the goodness of God. Number four, he's trying to get you to question the faithfulness of God. So when the enemy is trying to pull you into his path so that he can steal, kill, and destroy you, he does it by getting you to question your identity or by getting you to question God's identity because his love, his goodness, and his faithfulness all speak to his identity, right? So in John 14, 15, where Jesus is speaking to us, John 14 and 15, he says something real simple. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. So how do we show that we love God? Is it because we lifted our hands? No. Is it because we cried when a song came on? No. Is it because we did a victory lap? No. He says, if you love me, do what I say. Tell your neighbor, say, if you love him, you demonstrate that by doing what he says. If you love me, do what I say. Do what I say. Do what I say. This is New Testament. This is Jesus. Jesus is saying to his disciples, if you love me, the way that you show that you love me is to do what I say. So what is God looking for? God is looking for people who love him enough to put down their own agenda. My question to you is, do you love him enough to abandon your own agenda? Do you love him enough to kill your flesh? Do you love him enough to forgive even when they didn't say they were sorry? Do you love him enough to sow the seeds even when you feel like you should keep the money? Do you love him enough to eat the way that he told you to eat? Do you love him enough to break up with the people that he told you should not be in your life? He says, "Do if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, I think that this is really important. The next scripture we're going to go to is Philippians 2. Philippians 2. But as we're going there, I want you to think about this. This is very important that you understand. Jesus dealt with your sin. He became the substitute for our sin. He did not become the substitute for our personal obedience. We could not save ourselves. We could not free ourselves from that great penalty of sin. The wages of sin is death. That's what the Bible says. If you read your Bible, Adam and Eve sin, and then you see Cain kills Abel because death enters and man begins to die. The wages of sin is death. That's why we all need a savior for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He says, but if you accept Jesus as your personal savior, I am going to give you the ability, the privilege, the right to become what you were, to be born again, to be recreated, to be what I always created you to be, which is my son. 
So Jesus deals with our sin issue, but Jesus does not become the substitute for our obedience. We don't get to say, oh, Jesus obeyed on the cross. That's good enough. No, Jesus obeyed on the cross to free me from the flesh issue and the power of the enemy that kept me from obeying. Now I can choose obedience. Say, I can choose obedience. I can choose obedience. So God is looking for some people who care enough about him, who love him more than they love themselves, to put down their own agenda to do things his way. Now, listen to what Pastor Edwin said. He says alignment. Alignment is now I'm going to begin to say, God, I love you more than anything. That's going to be more than a song. I want to cuss them out, but I love you more than anything. I want to say this really ugly thing, but I love you more than anything. I really want to move to New York, but you told me I'm not supposed to be there. I love you more than anything. And I'm going to be willing and obedient. So I'm going to grow up enough to not throw a temper tantrum every time God doesn't let me have my way. Amen, somebody? I'm going to grow up enough that when God says, no, not the car right now. No, don't date that person. No, that's not who I called you. No, that's not the profession I have for you. That's not the city. That I'm going to stand on the fact that God loves me, God is faithful, and God is good. So if God is telling me that something is not for me or I need to do something, it is because he loves me. It is because he is good. It is because he is faithful. He always has my best intentions at heart. He's mindful of me. He has been mindful of me. Turn and tell your neighbor he's been mindful of you. So he says, Pastor Edwin says, he's going to bring us into alignment. That means there is a part we have to play to allow our wheels to fall off and become secondary to his will. I want what you want more than I want what I want. And I believe the biggest disservice that we've done is that we have not said to the body of Christ something real simple that's Bible. Your life is not your own. You have been bought with a price. You don't own yourself. You could not free yourself. You were under the subjection and the dominion of the enemy and God loved you so much that he sent his son to redeem you, to buy you back, not as a slave, but as a son, reconciled you, adopted you, brought you back into the family. Now you are a part of his family and you do not own yourself. Say, I don't own myself. I don't own myself. Now, this go mess with some of you. So if I don't own myself, you know what that means? That means my Facebook timeline ain't really mine. That means I don't get to say anything I want to say on my Facebook timeline. It, it's not mine because it's mine, but I belong to him. So that means when I get ready to type something and he goes, ah, ah, I don't override that. I don't type it because I love him. So I keep his commandments. Are you understanding what I'm saying? This is really important because he says there's going to be alignment and there's going to be agreement. How can two walk together unless they agree? How can I expect to get the promises of God, bless going in and bless going out, power to get wealth, above only, not beneath, um, protection, peace, if I'm unwilling to do what he's telling me to do? If I'm unwilling to do what he's telling me to do? So now here's what happens with God. So sometimes we're praying about something 
And God is talking to us about something else. Anybody ever had that happen? You're praying about one thing and God is talking about something else. And you know, that can be real irritating when we're praying about a job and God is talking to us about our sleep path. And we don't understand the ways of God because our thoughts are not his thoughts. And so if we don't get revelation of the Holy Spirit, then what we end up doing is we end up not understanding his way. And so you'll be talking about a promotion and God will be talking to you about your sleep patterns, right? Because we don't understand that for God, everything is connected. And so we're like, God, but you know, I need this money. He like, so this seed, but God, you know, I want this promotion. He's like, I need you to handle your current boss differently. You need to practice obedience. You need to understand that Jesus did not become the substitute for our obedience, somebody. But what he did do is become the example for our obedience because Jesus shows up on the earth realm to not only deal with sin, but to show us what sons look like and how they move and operate when they are subjected to the Holy Ghost. He is not just an exact. He is not just a substitute. He builds a bridge. He comes to represent God and he comes to show us what sons look like. Tell your neighbor, say, Jesus comes to show us what sons look like. He comes to show us what sons look like. So if I'm going to align, I'm going to have to give up doing it my way. Tell your neighbor, say, you got to give up doing it your own way. You have to give up doing it your own way. Let me just parenthetically insert this. You don't know as much as you think you know anyway. How many of us have ever had a good plan that on paper it looked like it really should have worked out, but it didn't work out? See, listen, let me tell you something. Don't be one of those people who can get hyped when we talk about it's your year of great harvest, but now when it's time to talk about sowing the seed, you're talking about all they want is my money. No, we're talking about that God has a way and that way is obedience. God has a way and that way is obedience, right? Now, let's go over here. Jesus says in John 14, if you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. If you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. Don't do your own thing. Not because I'm trying to control you. Tell your neighbor, say, God is not trying to control you. Tell your neighbor, say, God is not trying to control you. God is not trying to control you. He is trying to lead you into freedom. Now, the enemy makes it look like it's so good to do your own thing. But how many of you have ever done your own thing and ended up in more bondage than you ever intended to end up in? How many of you have ever dibbled and dabbled with things that God told you not to touch and then you ended up in more bondage? You thought you could just touch it and play with it and go and come back and at first you could and then that thing began to pull you up and then even when you wanted to get out, you couldn't get out. See, understand that God uses obedience as the greatest spiritual weapon. When I am obeying God, I don't have to worry about fighting the devil because when I am obeying God, he becomes my weapon. He becomes the ultimate weapon. Let's look at Philippians 2. We're going to read, we're going to read for a minute verses 5 through 13. See, Jesus became the substitute for the punishment of sin and death, but the redemption he provides does not relieve us of the responsibility to obey God. The redemption that Jesus provides does not relieve us from the responsibility to obey God. 
every single believer has a responsibility to obey God. It's not negotiable. It's not if you feel like it. He is our father. He is our God. And he is the commander of chiefs. So when he says move, we move. And I know that this ain't necessarily sexy teaching. This ain't turn around three times. You about to get blessed. This ain't God wants you to have a good day. But this is freedom preaching right here. Because when I make a decision to obey God, even if I'm crying, even if my flesh is hurting, even if it feels like I'm taking a loss, I am setting myself up for great victory. If I am willing and obedient, I will eat the good of the land. Let me say this before we read Philippians. Everything you want isn't for you. Every place you want to go, everything you want to do, every job you want to have, every person you want to be in relationship for you isn't for you. But how many of you know that God got some really good things for you? And if you really believe Jeremiah 29 and 11, that I know the thoughts that he thinks towards me, said the Lord, they are good thoughts to prosper me and not to harm me. If I really believe that, then why am I fighting so hard to do it my own way when I don't even know the way? So Pastor Edwin says, there's going to be alignment. The path is aligned. I have to align. I have to say, God, I'm willing to do it your way. I got to come into agreement. What is your way? Okay, you want me to apply for this job. You want me to stay in this city. You want me to move to that city. You want me to go to that church. You want me to serve in children's ministry. You want me to sing on the praise team. Oh, okay, I'm going to do what you want. I'm going to come into agreement because we don't even start walking together. That's what the Bible says. It says, how can two walk together unless they agree? God ain't moving to your place. So how can I come into agreement with God and walk with God unless I come into agreement with him? And then advancement. I want to tell you this before we get to Philippians, before we read it. You need to understand that in the kingdom, don't nobody like to talk about this part, but I'm just going to tell you. In the kingdom, you are tested before you are promoted. In the kingdom, you are tested before you are promoted. Many of you are talking about your next level, but when the test comes to see that you are qualified for the next level, the question becomes, can you pass the test? Can you pass the test? In the kingdom, in the kingdom, even Jesus had to pass the test of obedience. He had to be led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil and to see when the devil gave him an option to do something other than what God said, what would he do? You get the same test, not for your salvation, but for your reward, for your promotion. You get the same test. So you don't even understand that when God asks you to sow a sacrificial seed, that's a test because what you said to God, you said, God, I want to be a kingdom millionaire. He says, okay, I want to see. Let me see what you'll do with this $100. Oh, because you want to be a kingdom millionaire, right? Because I want to, because wealth and riches are in my house, right? And he's given me the power to get wealth. Okay, Sean, you want to be a kingdom millionaire. So I want to see if I control your money or if you control your money. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Now let's look at this. Let's look at Philippians 2. It says, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, 
thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took on the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Men, we begin to see the heart of God right here. We begin to see how Jesus gets his success right here. Jesus is made in the, he's created in the image of God. He's equal with God. He was there in the beginning with God, but he gives up his reputation. Have you given up your reputation or is it still about what you want? Are there still things you can't do and can't say because you don't want them to talk about you? Huh? Like, because it says that Jesus, he made himself. It didn't say God made him of no reputation. It says he made himself of no reputation and took on the form of a servant. I know you are a son, but how's your service? I know you are a son, but how's your service? How's your service? It says, and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Not God had to humble him. Not God had to wrestle him down. Not how, not how he had to hit rock bottom and go through hell before he was willing to say, Lord, I'm willing to do it your way. He humbled himself. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Now, listen, you don't have to take up the cross that Jesus took up, but the Bible says that you do have to take up your own cross. What is that? It is the obedience unto death. What is the obedience unto death? It is the killing of your flesh. It is the killing of doing it your own way. It is the killing of the right to have your own opinion. It is the killing of the right to treat God any kind of way, do any kind of thing and be like, I want to be blessed and highly favored. It is the killing of yourself to death. Humility to God is how we die. To our flesh. Humility to God, humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God is how we die to our flesh. But look what happens. He says, and wherefore God has also exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and do his good pleasure. Now, we got to slow down and walk this. First of all, what we find out is that Jesus is the one who made himself of no reputation. Jesus is the one who took on the form of a servant, and Jesus is the one who humbled himself. But when Jesus made himself of no reputation, and Jesus took on the form of a servant, and Jesus humbled himself, then God exalted him. You don't have to try to exalt yourself and get yourself where God told you you would go if you will make yourself of no reputation, take on the form of a servant and humble yourself, then God will exalt you. Now, the rest of this don't belong to you. He's not going to give you a name that is above every name, but in the name that is above every name, through your submission, there are things that are trying to keep you back that you will exercise dominion over. It says that because Jesus did his assignment, God gave him a name that was above every other name. That tells me that Jesus, it says, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. God, what do y'all think it means when it says every knee should bow? Do you think that every knee should bow is just 
God, I accept Jesus as my personal Savior. No, no, no. Every knee should bow means I was getting ready to cuss somebody out and the Lord said, be quiet. I bow my knee. Every knee should bow means the Lord told you to walk four times a week and you get out there and walk every four times a week. Every knee should bow means every time I got to choose between doing what I want to do, what the devil wants me to do, what seems popular, I am going to bow my knee because Jesus paid the price for me to bow my knee to him. He says, now you work out. Your salvation, work out your obedience. Not, not, you're not earning salvation. He says, but in the kingdom, you got to work this thing out with fear and trembling. There has to be some reverential fear of the Lord. And I really believe that in this whole God is my best friend homie movement, what we've lost is the reverence for God. And I don't know about y'all, but I was raised by my grandmother. And if my grandmother was alive right now, it's just some things I wouldn't say in front of her. You understand? Listen, now y'all know I don't drink because you heard my story last week. But if I did drink, I wouldn't drink in my grandmother's house. Why? Because my grandmother already set up in the realm of her kingdom that don't know drinking go on. I don't care how grown I am. I wouldn't walk up in her house and disrespect her because now I think I'm grown. And I believe that because, because at the end of the day, even though I'm an adult, she would still be, I would still reverence her. And I believe that we have not taught enough about the reverence of God. So it's God is my friend. I am a friend of God. And I would like to parenthetically insert that the Bible tells us that if you don't obey God, you're actually not a friend of God. So everybody's singing that song, but let's check our obedience. And it's like, oh, Pastor Sean, this seems like a tough message. But our word of God is that we are going to align, agree, and advance. Many of us are trying to advance without doing the first two. I'm getting ready to see something I've never seen before. If your obedience don't change, you're going to see what you've always seen. Is this making sense? Is this making sense? Because I want this to make sense. So let's look at this. So Jesus modeled obedience when he humbled himself to the point of death. As Jesus is in this world, so are we. So if Jesus humbled himself to the point of death, I'm going to humble myself to the point of death. Jesus' obedience to God and God's will caused him to be exalted above every other name. His obedience qualifies him to receive our obedience. So what Jesus did on the cross qualified him to receive our obedience. We are to follow his example and obey to the death of our flesh and our obedience will cause us to be exalted over life circumstances. Now, let's keep going. Let's go to John 1 and 12. We almost done. We almost done. Shall I choose to obey? I choose to obey. You know, I was saying this the other day. I was saying. Um, there is a difference between being a Christian millionaire and being a kingdom millionaire. And 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 I only even had the conversation because the Holy Spirit began to talk to me about it. Well, what's the difference between a Christian mil millionaire and a kingdom millionaire? Well, Matthew 6 and 33, it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. In the kingdom, that means the kingdom has a rule and a reign. A kingdom has to have a king. You see what I'm saying? So if a kingdom has a king, then there are some things that we have to subject ourselves to. Now, 
So he says the difference between somebody who wants to be a Christian millionaire is a Christian millionaire wants God to bless the work of their hands. You want God to protect you. You want God to give you witty ideas. You want God to preserve you. You want God to make your name great. But you're not willing to do all the things that God is asking you to do. You just want the blessing of God on your stuff. We were reading a story yesterday about a man who is a kingdom millionaire who literally said that he had a, um, what were those two cars, babe? He had a Bentley and a Rolls Royce, and the Lord told him to sell them and drive a Volkswagen because that money needed to be in the kingdom. And I said to the prayer team last night, that's where most of us fail. We are all for hearing God when it's all about what we're going to get. We can't wait for somebody to sow into our lives. We can't wait for somebody to pray for us. We can't, we get sick. We want everybody to intercede for us. But if God said to you right now, you got two cars, I want you to sell both of those nice cars and drive a hoopty because that money belongs to somebody else. Could you do it? And if you struggle with that, then you might want Christian blessings, but you don't want kingdom blessings because in the kingdom, everything is under the rule and reign of the king. So I do what he says. I do what he says. I do what he says. John 1 and 12. John 1 and 12. John 1 and 12 says, but as many as received him, he gave them the power to be sons of God. Sons of God. What people are seeing right now in this season, because we've got a lot of prophetic words about he's going to make a decision, a distinction between us and them. Not if you live just like them. See, understand the blood that kept the children of Israel's firstborn from dying only worked if they followed the instruction. If they had put the blood on the doorpost and stood out in the yard, they would have been subjected to the same pain that the Egyptians was. It wasn't just the blood. It was that they followed the instructions regarding the blood. And I just feel so compelled to tell you this because it makes me sad to think the number of people who are two, two things that make me sad. This makes me sad and mad. It makes me sad and mad when we intentionally treat God like he is not due our reverence. When we make our obedience optional. It makes me sad and it makes me mad. It makes me sad because he's been too good to us and it makes me mad in the same way that it would make me mad if someone disrespected my grandmother. The same way that it makes me mad when I feel like our kids don't listen to their dad. It makes me sad and mad because it's like, how can you see the sacrifice that has been made for you and then you still choose to do your own thing? I'm not talking about living perfect. I'm talking about living submitted. Hear that. You write that down. I'm not talking about living perfect. I'm talking about living submitted. We have these people out here who say, God knows my heart. What God knows about your heart is that it is deceitfully wicked. That's what he knows about your heart, which is why he's trying to give you his heart. He says he's giving you the power. If you believe he's giving you the power to receive sons. But Jesus modeled for us that sons care about the father's business. Sons care about the father's business. 
How much do you care about the father's business? Yes, I know you need your bills paid. Yes, I know you want to get married this year. Yes, I know you really want to live in D.C. or Atlanta or Tampa. Yes, I know all of that. But how much do you care about the father's business? When is the last time you said to him, what do you need from me? What can I do for you today? How can I serve? I know you got up. God, I need a car. God, I need some gas. God, you see how these people hating on me. God, you said I was blessed going in and blessed coming out. But what about the part where you say, God, what do you need from me? What did you create me to do? What do you desire of me? Where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to minister to? Who can I bless today? Who can I encourage today? What do you need me to clean up in my life? Because until you are doing those things, you are not practicing sonship. You are operating as a child. How do you know? Because children are like, gimme, 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 gimme. Take me to McDonald's, take me to Chuck E. Cheese, clean up your room. I don't want to clean up my room. It's so unfair that you want me to clean up my room. But can you take me to Walmart and give me some nerds? That is how children act. And the Bible says, when I was a child, I thought as a child and I acted as a child, but I put away childish things. I became a man. Tell your neighbor, say, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. What do you want from me? Who can I bless today? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Now, so part of this, we're going to go to Hebrews 12, and then we're going to wrap this thing up. Hebrews 12, that's Hebrews 12 and 1. Hebrews 12 and 1. Hebrews 12 and 1. Is your life submitted to him? You want his blessings to overtake you, but are you even in the place where the blessing is? All right, let's go to Hebrews 1. I mean, Hebrews 12, I'm sorry. Y'all bear with me. And you gotta get to the point that you appreciate messages like this, and I'm gonna show you why. Because anytime God begins to correct us, he's protecting us. See, his correction is protection. Anytime he begins to say, Sean, I want to deal with you about your eating. I want to deal with you about how much water you drink. I want to deal with you about your sewing. I want to deal with you about how you engage with your kids or your husband or your friends. He's protecting us. He's, his correction is pr protection. Can you say that? His correction is protection. Now, let's look at Hebrews 12 and 1. It says, wherefore, seeing we are compassed with such great cloud of witnesses, let us, let who? Let us lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Look at what he says. He says, seeing you are encompassed with such a great cloud of witnesses, you need to do something. What do I need to do? Sean Strickland, what do you need to do? I need to lay aside every weight and I need to lay aside every sin. Now, I want you to think about this right now. The enemy would have you think that you can't stop sinning. 
But the Bible just told me I can actually lay aside weight and I can lay aside sin. That means that it was on me. I can take it up off me and I can put it down. That means that I can close the door to the things. There are some things that in order to live free, you got to close the door. You got to then put some boards on the door. You got to then seal the door with Gorilla Glue. You got to make a decision that there are doors you don't go back in anymore because in those places, you cannot keep the weight and the sin off of your life. And I believe that when we don't have reverence for God, what we do is we say, it's okay for me to go anywhere because now I'm saved by grace. But grace is not grimy, guys. Grace is not I get to do what I want to do. Grace is I am now free to do what I was created to do. I'm going to say that again. Grace is not I get to do what I want to do. Grace is now I am free to do what I was created to do. And when we're childish, what happens for us is that we think that it's God's responsibility to give us what we want. And now we out here with the nerve, with the other nerve, to try to identify ourselves. We're trying to be self-identifying. You know, like when you take the test and like when you fill out stuff and it says, what do you identify as? And so what we do, because we don't lay aside weights and sins, then we self-identify. Oh, I got an anger issue. Oh, I got depression. Oh, I have this. But what about what he said about you? Let us lay aside. And then let us lay aside every weight and sin. And then let us do this next thing. Let's do this next thing. Let's run this race with consistency. Part of maturity is consistency. That word patience means consistency. Part of maturity is consistency. What do I mean when I say consistency? Can you pray after the problem is solved? Can you fast after the healing has come? Can you give even when you don't feel like it? Can you shut up even when you want to talk? Can you do this thing with consistency? See, if you don't get reverence for God, you're okay with your inconsistency. You're okay with the fact that sometimes you read your Bible and sometimes you don't. And sometimes you cuss and sometimes you don't. And sometimes you fornicate and sometimes you don't. And sometimes you watch porn and sometimes you don't. And sometimes and you go, this don't make sense and God loves me. And because God loves me, then he'll just, he cool, he understand my heart. No, what he understands is that you're disobedient. He understands that you're disobedient. He understands that you're dis, that you're that you're a disobedient. And I think that this is so important because I don't think we I just don't think we talk about this a lot. I was saying this, I think I don't know who I was talking to this week, maybe Yanika. And I was saying, some there's a scripture in the Bible. Babe, can you find it for me? It says that Jesus grew in wisdom, favor, and stature. There's this scripture in the Bible that for years, for 15 years, this scripture has come back to me. That Jesus grew in wisdom, favor, and stature. That Jesus had to grow up. Jesus is perfect, but he still had to grow in the things of God by submitting to God. It is clear that Jesus has come to be the Messiah, but Jesus still has to make the choice to obey. Hebrew says he was tempted with everything that we were tempted with. Tell your neighbor he was tempted too. He was tempted too, but he had to submit his flesh to the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Bible says that when he is in the garden, he so does not want to go to the cross that he is sweating blood. 
He understands the cost of what God is asking him to do, but he is growing up in what God has called us to do. What do you find Luke 2.52? Luke 2.52. Luke 2.52. Let's jump over there right quick. Luke 2.52. Are y'all getting something out of this? Because I don't want anybody to come short of what God has promised. Because see, what I didn't get to is that he says, the, our pastor told us he wants us to align, to accelerate, and to advance. That gets us into the year of great harvest. The year of great harvest. Do you know that even harvest is work? If you know anything about farming, my grandmother and them used to have a garden, so we have to go out there and pick purple hull peas. Anybody know anything about that? Pick corn. Uh, even when the harvest comes up, that's work. It is not just this magic, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to make five confessions, and then blessings is just going to overflow me and take me. No, I am going to be in a place doing what God is telling me to do so harvest can find me, and then even still I have to manage the harvest knowing that it's God's, not mine. Luke 2 and 52. Luke 2 and 52, it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. That tells me everybody don't have the same favor. Nobody wants to talk about that. We don't all have the same favor. I'm going to give you a very practical example. We have multiple kids. Nobody wants to admit this, but it's just a fact. You may love all your kids the same, but obedience makes the distinction in favor. You may love all your kids the same, but but, but obedience makes the distinction in favor. Let me give you a point. Let's say your family has a rule and that when kids are 16, they get a car. Your first kid gets a car. Your second kid gets a car. Your third kid gets a car. Your fourth kid, they just break the rules. They stay out late. They won't bring their back, back, bike back on time. It says two seconds. It's about to go off. They won't do any of the things that you're asking them to do. Would you get them a car? No, you would not get them a car. Why would you not get them a car? You would not get them a car because you do not. Their obedience has not shown that they deserve this next dispensation of favor known as a car. And anybody who would get them a car, we would say what? You are not a good parent, right? That's what we would say. You're not a good parent. You know that your other kids, they did what they were supposed to do. This fourth kid skipped school. This fourth kid is disrespectful. This fourth kid sneaks out. And now you're going to reward their bad behavior with a car. You learn, you, are, you receive favor when you're trustworthy. Now let's keep going. It says, now let's look at this. Let's look at Luke 6.46. In Luke 6.46, it says, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, if you don't do what I say? Now, I really understand that. Because when people reach out to me and ask me for instruction and I give them instruction, and then they keep coming back talking about, oh, you're my mentor. Oh, you're my coach. Oh, the Lord really sent you in my life. And yes, I am being shady. When they say that and they don't do anything that I say, I'm like, why in the world do you keep telling people that I am your coach? Why do you keep telling people I am not your mentor? You liking my post on Facebook and then not doing anything I say is not me being your coach and your mentor. I see now I got that from Jesus. He said, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, if you don't do what I say? Why, why do you keep, oh Lord, we love you. Oh Jesus, Lord, to the glory of the Father. He like, but you don't do what I say because Lord means ownership. Now I want to end in this scripture in, in Hebrews. 
It's Hebrews. We still in Hebrews 12. We're going to start with verse 4. It says, you have not yet struggled to the point of shedding blood and striving against sin. This is, this is the author of Hebrews talking to the people. He says, you have not had a fight against sin so much that you struggled by shedding blood. And you have forgotten the divine word of encouragement, which is addressed to you as sons, saying, my son, do not make light of the discipline of the Lord and do not lose heart and give up when you are corrected by him. For the Lord disciplines and corrects those whom he loves. He punishes and corrects every son whom he receives. The Bible tells us in first in John 1 that he's given us power to become sons. It then now in Hebrews tells us how God deals with sons. He corrects us. Say, if you are a son, God will correct you. If you are a son, God will discipline you. I know this. Sometimes I say something. God say, you shouldn't have said that that way. I need you to fix that. Don't say that that way again. Don't tell that story that way again. Don't respond that way. Don't do it that way. Whom he loves, if you are his son, he is going to correct you. And then it says, you must submit to the correction for the purpose of discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there for whom his father does not discipline? Now, if you are exempt from correction and without discipline, in which all God's children share, then you are illegitimate children and not sons at all. Now, in the King James, it says you're a bastard. It says if you cannot take the correction of the Lord, if you will not submit to the correction of the Lord, you are illegitimate and actually not a son at all. If God can't tell you nothing, you're not a son. It's that, but this is what the Bible says. You are illegitimate children and not sons of all. Then it goes on to say, moreover, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us. Not just natural fathers, but your boss, but your coach, if you were in sports, but your military commander. But we have had natural fathers who have earthly fathers who have disciplined us and we submitted and respected them for training us. So how is it that we respect some of us? We respect everything natural for training us. We respect the coach who taught us how to shoot free throws. We expect the boss who taught us how to get promoted. We respect them. We cheer for them because they taught us something. But now we are not much more willingly to submit to the father of spirits and learn from his discipline. For our earthly fathers discipline us only for a short time, it seems best to them. But he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. Then I love this part. It says, for the time being, no discipline brings joy, but seems sad and painful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, after when it yields, peaceful fruit of righteousness, right standing with God, and a lifestyle and attitude that seeks conformity to the will of God and purpose. If you cannot see from month to month, year to year, you becoming more confirmed, conformed to God's will and purpose, check your sonship. Check your sonship. Check your sonship. Check your sonship. Guys, this is so good. He says, you're not exempt for correct from correction. 
It says the mark of God is that if you are a son, he is going to correct you. He is going to instruct you. He is going to di discipline you. He is not trying to beat you up. And then it says, he says, when our naturally fathers discipline us, for a short time, they're disciplining us based on what seems best to them. It says, but God disciplines you for your good. Why? Because correction is protection. So that we may share his holiness because the mark of sons is that we ought to look like our daddy. Not because we got a shirt on, not because we're wearing a bracelet, but we ought to look like him in word and deed. It says, at the time of discipline, how many of you can attest to this? When God corrects us, <coughs> when God corrects us, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good for God to say, hey, I don't like how you said that. It doesn't feel good when God says, no, don't do it that way. Do it this way. It says, but to those who have been trained by it, have you been trained by his discipline? Have you been trained by his discipline? I'm a, I see so many people who are looking for promotion but have not been trained by the discipline of God. It means you're unproven and you're untrustworthy. See, God trains us. The Bible says in the little things, if you're faithful over little, God will make you ruler over much. We don't understand our social media accounts, the $5 that we have. What we do today is showing God whether we are ready for something else. He's showing us, we're saying, you got prophetic words. I see you as a millionaire. Prophetic words. I see you as the CEO. Prophetic words. I see you as this. I see you as that. I see you as this. I see you as that. This is the word of the Lord. And you're like, why is it not happening? Are they false prophets? Check your training. Check your sonship. Check your sonship. Have you been trained to obey? Have you submitted to the instruction? Listen, God has been gracious to Sean Strickland. God has been gracious to Edwin Strickland. His favor is all over our life. He's blessed us going in and blessed us coming out. But boy, has he corrected us. And boy, does he continue to correct us. And boy, are there things that we have wanted to do. And he said, nope, you don't get to do that. Boy, do I want to drink wine like other people. Mm -hmm. But he said, that ain't what you get to do, Sean. That's not the part of the purpose for your life. He says, why? For the time being, no discipline brings joy. It seems sad and painful. That's why the Bible tells us to, be, to begin to be willing. Because some of the things that God asks you to do, it seems sad and painful. Why does it seem sad and painful? Because it seems like you lose it. It seems like you're losing when you really want to date this person and God say, don't touch it. Well, God, so-and-so get to date. It seems sad and painful. But some of you right now could take off running for the people that God didn't let you date or cut the relationship off. And then now you see why. I was saying to a friend the other day, see, when your kids are little, you don't explain everything that you want them to do and why. Even when God says to Abraham, go to a place that I'm going to take you, he doesn't tell Abraham where the place is. Abraham is showing he can be trusted as he follows God. Many times we're like, we like Thomas. Well, I ain't going to do it unless you do this. He's like, well, then you're not going to get promoted because here you're going to do it because I told you to do it. 
God doesn't always give you all the instructions. And I just, I want to give two testimonies about how important it is to obey God. Um, and, 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 you know, one of them is a testimony that's a long time testimony, but, but like God already knows what he's going to do and how he will preserve your life. And it can be over small things or it can be over big things. And see, part of obedience means we go as far as we can go. We do as much as we can do. And so my friend LaShawn Holland, years ago when her son, Jonathan, who's 20, I mean, Adam, Adam, who's the same age as Tay, was in the second or third grade, the Lord told her that he wanted her to send her son to a private school. So she goes as far as she can go. She submits the application. She gets the recommendations. They invite, they get invited for a tour. She goes to the tour. He gets admitted to the school. There's only one problem. God has told her that her son should go to this school, but the tuition is $25,000 a year and she doesn't have $25,000 a year. She doesn't have the $25,000. But now God begins to give her instruction. He doesn't tell her, here's where you're going to get the $25,000. He gives her an instruction. He says, LaShawn, I need you to have a fish fry and a barbecue at your mother's house. So LaShawn gets signs, they get fish, they get barbecue, and they have it. Now, she's thinking in her mind that God is going to pay for school for her son by her having fish fries. And she's willing to do it. She has this fish fry. All of these people are coming. They're giving money. But how many of you know you got to have a lot of fish fries to get $25,000? You got to have a lot of fish fries. This man comes, gets a plate, leaves. The man then comes back and asks her some questions. Then asks, can he talk to her son? He talks to her son. He then hands her a business card and says, come by my office on Monday and I will pay for his tuition for the first year. She didn't have $25,000. So what could she offer to the Lord? Obedience. What could she do? She could bring the, the, hang the signs and have the fish fry. God didn't say to her, if you have the fish fry, I'm going to send a man by that I already have given $25,000 to who can pay the $25,000. He said, have the fish fry. Many of us don't pass the test because God says, be quiet. You say, I can't be quiet because you know what? If I don't stand up for myself, ain't nobody going to stand up for me. He says, sow the seed. You say, I can't sow the seed because all I got is $20. He gives you the small instruction and you don't follow the small instruction because you can't see the end. And you miss the opportunity to be trained in the discipline of the Lord. Do you know the most beautiful thing about being trained in the discipline of the Lord is that it brings peaceful fruit. And the peaceful fruit is that I begin to trust God even though I, when I don't know the next move. See, when I'm willing to follow God, even when I'm willing to hear his voice, follow his voice, follow his instructions, what begins to be built in me is a confidence and a consistency in my faith that allows me to follow him even when I can't quite track him. Why? Because he took care of this thing. I followed this and this worked out. I followed this and this worked out. The truth of us, the truth of it is, is that many of us have not been consistent long enough to even know that God is faithful. Because we're so busy doing it our own way. And this is a small thing because God cares about the small things. Then Pastor Ellen go come back and close us out. Listen, the last Sunday, Pastor Ellen wanted some beef bologna. We don't eat pork. Haven't eaten pork since I was pregnant with Caleb. And he wanted some beef bologna. And he had this 
inkling, this little small thing that said go to Harps. Now he don't like Harps. Harps is a grocery store here. So he goes to the, our normal neighborhood market. He goes to our normal neighborhood market that typically has beef bologna. Guess what they don't have? Beef bologna. He says, I'm, he gets back. I'm riding in the car with him. I don't go in the store, but I'm riding in the car with him. He gets back and he goes um, to, he says, well, I'll just run up to the other neighborhood market. We live in Northwest Arkansas. We got Walmarts everywhere, babe. We just pick one. You throw a stone and hit the neighborhood market, right? So he says, we, we literally have two neighborhood markets within five miles of our house. He says, I'm going to go to the other one. He goes in the other neighborhood market and, and, and there's no beef bologna. He's like, man, I want some beef bologna. And the Holy Spirit says to him, I told you before you left home where the beef bologna was. He goes to Harps. And at first, it looked like it's no beef bologna at Harps. But guess what he found? Three packs of beef bologna. God knows everything we need. God will say go left on the way to work. You're like, I don't usually go left to work. He already knows it's an accident if you go right. Sometimes we are so frustrated and we are working against our own interests. We're praying for something. Some of you are in a season right now and you know it. God is really dealing with you about your obedience. He's telling you to come into a, a greater level of obedience. You feel like you're being corrected about everything, particularly those of you who are believing for harvest. Let me tell you what I can 100% guarantee if you are believing for harvest. God is dealing with you about sowing seeds like never before in your life. Like never before in your life. Why? Because you believe it for harvest you've never seen before in your life. And so for me, it was, in, I felt like when I woke up this morning, oh, thank you, Holy Ghost, the scripture that God had playing in my heart was Psalms 119. Psalms 119. In Psalms 119, verse 11, it says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. My word have I hid. Your, I hid your word in my heart because I don't want to sin against you. I really want to challenge you to come into a place of repentance towards the Lord. God, I'm sorry for trying to get everything my own way. God, I'm sorry for trying to make you my genie. God, I'm sorry. Some of you need to repent for being offended with God. You're offended because something didn't work out. I applied for the job and they still didn't give it to me. Or I really wanted that house and I didn't get it. Or I thought I would be married by now. You need to repent for that because God is for you. And God is giving instruction to set you up to win because it is his desire. It's his good pleasure for you to live and have life more abundantly. But God, you don't get the abundant life doing your own thing. And I'm sorry for anybody who's made you think that you can just confess. I believe I receive and receive. That confession is in conjunction with obedience. It's not instead of obedience. And so I'm praying for you this week. I'm praying that you will align yourself. For some of you, it's diet. For some of you, it's how you take care of your body. For some of you, it really is offense. I keep hearing offense. You're incredibly offended because you don't think it worked out the way you thought it was. God isn't obligated to work it out the way you thought it would. God isn't obligated to bring your will to pass. God is only obligated to bring his will to pass. Well, what about my desires? He is obligated to bring His your desires in alignment with his. He's not obligated to give you whatever you want. He's obligated to give you what he has prepared for you. 
Babe, come on. I hope this blessed you guys. I hope you'll obey God. I hope you receive the word. Thank y'all so much. All right. Did y'all not enjoy that word today? I mean, anytime I can hear uh, a teaching about obedience, I just get encouraged. I know from life experience, I know from my own um, practically walking this thing out that when you choose to obey God, even though it doesn't always seem easy, there is always provision there. One of the things that Pastor Sean said is he said, you know, you're never, you're never going to get promoted until you pass the test. You have to pass the test. What test? Every time God asks you to obey, it is a test. Not for him, but the test is for you. He already knows what's in your heart. The test is whether or not you will be able to pass it based on what you believe about him. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you. I heard Pastor Sean talk about the fact that some of you were offended. You may be offended with God. You may be offended with people. You may be offended with, uh, with yourself. Whatever it is, I'm asking you to give that up this morning. Give that up. Give it to God. Take off all that weight. Take off all that sin that she talked about and read over there in Hebrews 12. And just make the decision that you are going to obey God. Remember, you don't have to be perfect to be submitted. You do not have to be perfect to be submitted. The goal is not to see how many times we can be imperfect. But the goal is to live a submitted life every day with every opportunity. And don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about next week. Don't worry about next month. Just take care of what God is asking you to do today. Amen? Listen, exciting times are coming. We believe that this is still our best year yet. We still believe that this is our year of great harvest. Why? Because we are going to get into alignment with God. We're going to get into <laughs> agreement with his word. So the advancement that he wants on our life can come and overtake us. So for some of you, this starts where your sowing is concerned. You know, Pastor Sean and I have talked for years about the fact that we don't often uh, talk to people publicly about what we know as revelation when it when it's concerned sowing. Uh, and, and the Lord's chastised us about that, and we're going to do better about that. But we've never, ever wanted people to think for one moment that what we teach, we teach because we want something from you. We are like the Apostle Paul. What we do is we desire a gift for you, not from you. But the fact of the matter is God doesn't change. God has rules. He has principles and he has laws and he doesn't change those even for you in, in your sob stories. He doesn't change it for us in our sob stories. He has, a, he has principles and we have to get under those principles and live out those principles. And one of those principles is that if you want to uh, progress in the kingdom where your finances are concerned, you have to become a person who understands that God owns everything and that you actually own nothing. But you can be a steward over a whole lot. I'll say that again. God owns everything. You own nothing, but you can be a steward over a whole lot. And so this morning, uh, this is your opportunity uh, to sow this morning. Some of you are believing God for financial increase. Listen, you don't get financial increase and then sow. That's not how it works. You sow and then financial increase comes. And as long as you're trying to work in the world system, in the kingdom, you're going to always be disappointed. And as a pastor, I always to tell you that. I don't desire a gift from you, but I desire a gift for you. 
And the way that that works is you take your seed and you sow it. You rejoice and you believe that whatever God has told you to do, that out of your act of obedience and doing it, now you can expect the harvest. That's how Pastor Sean and I live. It's how the people who are connected to us, who always talk about their financial increase, is how they live. You know, I love the testimony that Katrina gave. She had been sowing and sowing and sowing and telling the Lord she needed a new car. And in her mind, she was probably thinking the Lord was going to be able to bless her to buy a car. But God said, no, 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 no. When you get in alignment, in agreement, he said, I'm going to cause advancement to come. I'm going to give you a car with no payment, and I'm going to pay the sales tax for you. Come on. That's the kind of stuff God is willing to do for those who are willing to sow into the kingdom. And so this morning, you have an opportunity. You can do that. Some of you have heard me talk about my passion for the scholarship fund. And as a result of that, you've, you've probably heard the Lord say, you ought to give to the scholarship fund. And you keep thinking week after week, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Listen, don't delay. Get your seed in the ground right now. Get your seed in the ground. You can do it through a multitude of ways. You can give through push pay. I believe it's pinned there for those of you that are in um, Facebook, and they may have even put it on Instagram. I'm not sure. But you can give through push pay. Uh, you can give through Givelify. You can give through uh, tithing. You can go to www.focchurch.com and you can click on the right hand corner. There's an online way to give and you can also text to give. And I believe that number is 833-969-0897. Listen, don't delay. Get your seed in the ground. Now is the time that you want to be sowing because I am telling you there is harvest in this season. The Bible says that if you believe God, you will be established. But if you believe his prophet, you will prosper. I am telling you that God gave me a word in November that this was going to be an awesome year for us. Listen, I didn't know anything about COVID-19. I didn't know anything about the unemployment rate going up to 38 million people needing unemployment. I didn't know anything about people having to shut their businesses down. I didn't know any of that when the Lord said that it was going to be a year of great harvest. But what I can tell you is that in spite of all of that, we, have, we are still receiving testimonies from people about how God is blessing them even in the midst of a pandemic. Amen. And I'm telling you, God already knows what he's going to do. He already knows how he's going to figure this out. All he is doing is looking for someone who would obey him. There's a scripture that says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the entire earth looking for somebody he can show himself strong to. When he says that, he's talking about an obedient person. He is looking for somebody who is willing to obey him even in the midst of a circumstance where it seems oddly strange to obey him. He is looking for someone who says, I don't care what it looks like. I know what my God said. I know how good he is. I know how much he loves me. And I'm going to trust that what he has told me is designed to protect me and not to make me look exposed. And so I'm going to obey God even in the midst of. Aren't you glad that Noah obeyed God? Aren't you glad that the three Hebrew boys obeyed God? Aren't you glad that Isaiah obeyed God? Aren't you glad that Jeremiah obeyed God? Listen, I'm glad that you obeyed God. Why? Because when you obey God, it opens up a realm of possibilities that did not exist to you before. 
So this morning, whatever it is in your life, if God is telling you to forgive someone, if God is telling you to, to sow into someone's life, if God's telling you to sow into this ministry, if God is telling you to give to the scholarship fund, if God is telling you to get up and pray, if God is telling you to fast, if God is telling you to watch your mouth and, and don't be so, so quick to speak, whatever it is, just choose to obey. And if you choose to obey, I can guarantee you that there is a blessing on your life. Why? Because on the other side of obedience is always provision, provision. for your vision. Listen, we're excited that you joined us and we thank you very much. I saw Pastor Sean's hand go up, so she must want to come back and say I'm something to you. Or <laughs> she wants me to say something to you. What do you want me to say? I see the comment that you made. I think it's important to talk about why people stay financially stuck. Yes. So, so Pastor, I, I kind of talked about that. Pastor Sean, she's going through. <laughs> she's going through, and she's reading the comments now that you guys have put in there. And one of the comments she saw was when I said that people in the financial realm they stay. I don't even know what I said. Well, I said they stay stuck because why? Because they don't. Basically, they don't pass the money. Test. Oh, she was talking about passing tests, and I was saying that when it comes to when it comes to financial increase. The reason a lot of people don't get to go to the next level is because they don't pass the money test. Let me explain what I mean by that. Pastor Sean and I have this thing where we talk about, it's called choke level. At some point in your life, when you're believing God for something, he's going to ask you for something. Yeah. And the thing he's going to ask you for is going to be so significant to yeah. you uh, that it's going to feel like it's choking yeah. the breath out of you. Yeah. If you don't pass the choke test, you will not progress to the next level. It's, 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 it's like maxing out when you lift weights. At some point, you're going to have to max out and you're going to have to hit that weight in order for you to go to the next level. And so I was saying in the comment section when she was talking about passing the test, that that is the thing that happened for us, that we have learned to so trust God that those times he's asked us to empty out, and this may be personal for some of y'all, but he's asked us, I'm not telling you to do this, he's asking us, unless he tells you to do this, but he's asked us to empty out our savings account, to sow everything we had saved. Now, you're talking about being scared. Listen, as a man, when you're trying to provide for your family and you think you've done this wonderful thing by saving up X amount of dollars and then God comes and asks you for it, you have to know that you trust God in order for you to release it. And sometimes you release it even with fear and trembling. But here's what I can tell you. The level that we live today is a direct result of our, our obedience in passing that choke level test over a decade ago. Yes. I'm telling you, God is unwilling to do without a quick Prompt to do, chill for, giver. And in, the, and in the months and stuff to come, Pastor Sean and I are going to start talking about this more and more and more. And, and, and there will be people who will get upset. There will be people who will fall out with us. But you know what? If we teach what we know and people who get, can get blessed by it, then, then we're willing to take whatever fallout is necessary. But there is a way that seemeth right for the world. In the end of that leads to destruction. But there is a way that seemeth right unto God. And I'm telling you, it always causes you to increase. So, listen, that's enough of me. I ain't going to preach two messages. Uh, God bless y'all. Have a wonderful week. Join us on Tuesday. Join us on Wednesday. Join us on Sunday mornings. And then back here again for the word. I believe Pastor Sean may be doing Mindset Monday uh, this week at noon. So, you can join us on Monday for, for Mindset Monday uh, at 12 noon. 
Tuesday night, we're going to be on uh, our Facebook page for prayer. Wednesday night, Pastor Raphael Marlowe will be hosting a refreshed Bible study from his page and from the Fellowship of Champions page, or whichever one you want to watch from, you can. That will be at 8.30, and then at 9.30 on Sunday morning, Chris is going to take us to the throne room with worship. And then we'll come back here uh, next week, and Pastor Sean is going to uh, teach you the word uh, again next week. And I'm telling you, it's going to be dynamic. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be wonderful. And so we got to go. So God bless y'all. <laughs> Somebody's going to teach you the word next week. <laughs> so Somebody. God bless y'all. We got to go. Pastor Sean's going to come and teach this word. God bless y'all. We love you. Babe, I just want to tell you, I want them to see me tell you, I'm so proud of how you're handling this COVID situation. Oh, I really am so proud of you. Like, I mean, it's just good leadership, and I'm so, so proud of you. I'm like super proud to be married to you, super proud to for you to be my pastor, and proud for you for us to co labor together. I appreciate you so much. Oh, thank you, babe. Hey, listen, y'all make pastoring easy, uh, and not just because I can't see y'all. I mean, y'all really, y'all really, <laughs> make it easy even when I can see you, and that's what I love about. Fellowship of Champions. So God bless. Y'all have a great Sunday. Hey, enjoy your Memorial Day and be safe and don't gather in large groups, okay? Listen, don't let the media fool you into thinking that you can just rush back out there and that everything is okay. The numbers of cases are still going up. And even though some of those people are asymptomatic, you don't want them breathing on you because you may not be asymptomatic, all right? All right, God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday and Memorial Day.